Well, hey, everybody. This episode of the Press Row Podcast is brought to you by Out of the Park Developments, makers of Out of the Park Baseball 18, MLB Manager 2017, and Franchise Hockey Manager 3. I'd love to invite you to join us live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on Twitch as up first, our baseball community manager, TJ Lowerman, live streams Out of the Park Baseball 18 for an hour every night, and that is followed by our franchise hockey manager team of Adam Burnett and Jeff Riddles streaming Franchise Hockey Manager 3 live at 10 p.m. Eastern. That's on twitch.tv slash OOTP Developments, live every Wednesday night. But if you're not able to make it and join them on Wednesday nights, that's okay because everything is archived to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash OOTP Developments. TJ is always having a lot of fun with the community and, and continuing his stories, as are Adam and Jeff as they go through various scenarios of, of different hockey teams and the hilarity that ensues as you try to take teams that uh, maybe aren't exactly built for the Stanley Cup and take a run at them. And of course, TJ has been trying to get his Padres franchise out of the ground and up to the top of the National League West. These are ongoing things that we do every single week. So please join us live on twitch.tv slash OOTV Developments Live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern for Out of the Park Baseball and 10 p.m. Eastern for Franchise Hockey. And you can pick up Out of the Park Baseball 18 today on Steam uh, or directly from our website at OOTPDevelopments.com as well as Franchise Hockey Manager on Steam or from OOTP Developments. Check them out. They are on sale for the uh, end of the year, and it's a really great time to check those out. And of course, you can pick up MLB Manager on the iOS store for Apple or the Android Marketplace. Go check them out, and thanks, everybody. Enjoy the show. After a few weeks of talking about Madden NFL 18 and its new story mode called Long Shot, in this week's episode of the Press Road Podcast, we welcome the architects of the mode. Before we get to Mike Young, who directed and co-wrote Long Shot, along with Adrian Todd Zaniga, this is your spoiler warning. You may want to wait to listen to the episode if you're in the process of playing Long Shot or plan to at a later date. While we don't explicitly spoil all this critical story beats, obviously a lot of how the story is structured and themed will be discussed. Story modes have started to become a central piece to the annual licensed sports game franchises. It's a big way to differentiate from one year to the next, and it has those obvious marketing benefits. But it also provides an opportunity to bring on new players in a way that's accessible and compelling. Reviews and consumer response to Longshot have been very positive, so we wanted to examine why Longshot works as well as it does in this episode. We hope you enjoy it. So, hey, everybody. Thank you for listening. I'm so excited today. Today is the follow-up to my all-time favorite episode. Now, it's been five years, probably, I don't want to say five years to the day, but it's been almost five years exactly since the last time that I was able to have these two people on the show. And in an episode that I actually just listened to again recently that made me laugh out loud multiple times, I am thrilled and honored to have two of my friends on the show. Up first, we have Mr. Todd Zuniga. Adrian Tadzaniga. Rich, you've already blown it. Oh, man, I, uh, that's it. Show's over. It's all done. I'm just kidding. I, I think I was Tadzaniga, you know, a lesser, a less superior form. Um, an inferior form, I guess, is the way to go. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to quit talking and let you continue doing your show. Well, many yes. of you know Todd from back in the, in, in the day, the, original, the originator of the sports video game podcast with the sports game guys, Sports Anomaly, which begat fourth string 
which begat box score, which begat the Press Row podcast. So really, Todd, you're the reason that I'm here right now. So, hey, thanks for that. I appreciate that. I, I'm thrilled. I love that Rich has just, just like me, refused to throw in the Adrian thing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't like just keep trucking forward with Todd. When yeah. you call somebody right. Todd for 15 years, it's hard to change. It's just hard. I get you guys are grandfathered in, so um, it's just going to be cu- uh, confusing because Brian is not grandfathered in. So if he calls me Todd, I'll just act like I don't listen. I don't hear him. This is, I, I actually just—it's uh, just now been four years of Adrian, so I figured out how to do it and nice. uh, see what happens. It's pretty fun. So, so we have Mr. Adrian Todd Zuniga here with us, and we also have making I don't know third, fourth, fifth, sixth appearance on the show, Mr. Mike Young, the creative director of the the Madden franchise. Mike, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you. I think it's been five years. So let's do it. We haven't spoken in the interim, huh? That's that's. A, I think I, we've I, spoken maybe, but I was kind of off the radar. Didn't go to E3s. True. Didn't. I was in a little little closet. That's exactly what Brad Hildebrand said you were when I asked about you a few years ago. He's like, yeah, he's in a closet. We don't really talk to him anymore. It's like, oh, that's 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 kind of sad, actually. But you're out, and that's good. Out. <laughs> out of the and, <laughs> and we have Mr. Brian Weedai joining us as well. Brian, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Uh, really excited for this chat. Uh, this has been a, real, a long time coming for Madden with the story mode, and uh, you know we've talked a lot about it on the last two podcasts, Rich, so... I, I think we can get into the interview then because we've already expressed ourselves a lot on this. We'd like to hear from the guys behind it. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask both of you, Adrian and Mike, the, the first question is we are talking in late August of 2017. Long shot. The story mode is out. It's out in the world. People are experiencing it. People are enjoying it. People are telling you everything they think about it. How do you feel right now? Is it a sense of relief? Is it a sense of accomplishment? It, you know, what, what's your mindset right now after all the time and the effort you put it? It's out there. What are you thinking? We'll start with you, Todd. Adrian. Adrian no, Todd. Said, no, we, you can call me whatever you want, honestly. Uh, I would say, so this is the first thing that I've ever worked on that's been produced in any serious way. Like I've, I've written for Madden in the past and things like that. But this is... Um, you know, this is sort of like my world debut. Um, I have a novel coming out in the spring. Very excited about that. And it seems like I'm 42, so it took long enough. But this is the first thing. And I I don't know. It's it's an incredible feeling of accomplishment. I did about 12% of the work Mike did. So I can't, uh, I can't take too much credit. But just, you know, it's sort of dream come true stuff because... Mike and I working together and then being able to to create something that we we talk, like well let me say this about it that this is something I a billion percent believe in it's not like oh yeah I worked on this thing and somebody directed it or changed it or took something out it's like I absolutely believe in it when I played it um when I finally got to play the full thing I was just like wow this is what we intended and that like I just felt honored I felt excited um, since the response has been coming out, you know, on Twitter, I, you know, I put long sh- hashtag long shot in and just see people enjoying it. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, my first response is just like, holy, holy crap. Like not only did, was I part of this, but it's, it's what I dreamed it to be. So that's, I guess I'm talking too long. Mike, go for not it. Not at all. Yeah. Mike, your, your thoughts on that. How are you feeling now that it's out in the world? It's been very emotional. Um, 
for several reasons, but I would even go back to just starting the industry in 1999. I would have proclamations like, someday this is what I'm going to do. And um, I think it took all 20 years-ish of my career to be in the position to do something like this. Uh, so it's a lot of learning, a lot of work. And then a lot of life, you know, to be able to have something. I, the thing I, I'm most proud about with Longshot is it says something. It's in a sports video game, but it's um, it's a story that has a point of view and it um, resonates with people. And to hear words like relatable and emotional and people are sharing it with their friends, uh, their spouses, that's really unbelievable to think that we did this and Todd and I have always been really big dreamers. So I think we always assumed we would just do stuff. Um, <laughs> but I don't think we, you know, when we started talking about it, even like grade school, like the movies we were going to make and all that stuff, you know, we didn't have the skill set. So I think even though it's taken to our early 40s to do something of this scale, um, it's really rewarding to see people actually like it because. There, I had gotten to a point where just the doing it was an honor, and I had a lot of pride of just, wow, we did this. It's so big. The talent that got involved in it, the fact that it's this different in a sports game was just enough. But then to have people actually like it took it to a new level um, of, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. a lot of years of hoping something like this could happen and believing you could do it. And then now the reward of it's out there. And because it's in Madden, I think we've had almost a million people play long shot at this point. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, here's just to follow up on what Mike said, um, to be totally honest, I haven't played it yet. When, um, when I first turned it on, I had my girlfriend play. She's incredible. Like my biggest fan. She's been so excited about long shot. Um, we met while Mike and I were writing it, and um, it, it like watching her play it and watching her go through the the emotions of it was for me like I I I was excited to see it and to play it, but to see someone who had never picked up a video game outside of just like two D stuff, um, just really simple stuff, to watch her play it and to a be able to play it and b to like go through the emotions and when she got a negative uh response or something she would just be crestfallen and when she did something right she would literally just throw her hands up in the air and uh like that was a really incredible moment because i got to sort of see what we did through the lens of somebody that that just is like oh i'll try this this is interesting and and i i remember like she probably wanted to murder us because uh, a friend of mine was in from paris and we're watching her play and at a certain point she's like i'm tired and i need to go to bed <laughs> i get up at 5 30 in the morning for work mm -hmm. and yet the pace of it and like the the seamlessness of it kept like driving her to play and us being like well let's just play one more scene and and by the end she had finished it and uh yeah it was that's like that was so incredible to me and i was super proud of mike because to see all the work i mean he's it's like 90 hour days I know that's mathematically incorrect, but, <laughs> but it's really amazing. And and that was one thing that we talked about from the start was this idea of like, how do we get beyond, um, you know, the, the core audience of Madden and how do we get that to get it to where, you know, the spouse plays it or whatever. And for me to have her actually play it and play all the way through 
again, knowing very little about football, yet still getting very angry with Jack Ford when he asked her a question about <laughs> formations and her getting it wrong. Um, <laughs> it was amazing. She's Australian, so yeah, she didn't have a clue. But it it, it was really awesome. So yeah. So so Mike, five years ago, I had you and and Todd and Adrian Todd. I see. I now I'm all <laughs> now. There's three people. I had yeah, yeah, you and this other guy. Yeah, I had yeah. you and this other guy on the show talking about ostensibly the introduction of connected careers and and it was sort of there there was a storyline sort of for the first time you know with the twitter feed and and the media reactions and things like that but really we wound up talking a lot more about your the the two of your sort of history and and growing up together and playing video games and and you know having your nhl uh, Genesis newspapers and voting for the MVPs and, and all of that kind of stuff. So there, they, we, we talked about a lot of things. But my question is, was the genesis of Longshot around that same time? Or was the, and when I say genesis, I mean the practical one, like not just sort of having an idea, but sort of, hey, wait a second, here's a thing that we can do. Now I need to start enrolling people and, and understanding what it means. Was the genesis already in place five years ago did it come well after that was that sort of the time what's the sort of the timeline over the last five years of when long shot went from just a, a an idea to something that went to a whiteboard and and you thought okay we might be able to make something like this happen well what was interesting is um i've always been a big franchise gamer and i always thought they needed more narrative what whatever form that had to be in right like um Long shots, obviously, very cinematic, and there's other things that have narrative that aren't very cinematic. But um, I had been moved off of franchise mode to help presentation, I think, around Madden 15. And if I had stayed with franchise, my goal was to keep evolving and adding more narrative to that mode. Um, but I think sort of what happened is I was off in presentation land, really focused on cameras and um, I felt that the game needed more emotion and more excitement. And I had pitched the first interactive, you know, the Cam Newton first, you put the disc in and Madden 15 and you're down on the field, you know, mic'd up players, um, all this agency around this, like really dramatic setup. That's real life NFL, but people really responded to that. And I had already pitched long shot probably like within a month or two of that. Um, going out and I had just worked with NFL films. I was really inspired by things like undrafted and uh, hard knocks and Friday night lights. But I had done a little X video where I followed a real life guy uh, from the regional combine to draft day. And he was just like this guy who he didn't get drafted and got the call afterwards. And he got the, um, you know, undrafted free agent call and, but going through that process with him was like, this is the type of story I'd want to tell. So I'd say it's right around Madden 15, not being on franchise mode where I felt like we could tell bigger narratives. Um, kind of the stuff I was playing and watching and then getting the kind of feedback from Madden gamers that, yeah, this Madden 15 intro, I wish there was more of this type of this level of presentation and quality and storytelling in the rest of the game. So that's kind of where it started to catch fire. And that that intro being that's where you sort of get into the huddle a little bit more, right? That's that's what we're talking about. That so was that yeah. the Seahawks and and the yep. 
We had a fictional rematch in the playoffs, Seahawks versus Carolina Panthers. You were the Panthers, and, you know, we had Cam Newton doing his own audio and uh, NFL film-style camera work and, you know, cameras on the field and a musical score and all that. It was, you know, five to ten minutes long. And it was cool. And it showed off kind of all the new great features in the game, and um, we just had such a great reaction to that that it really helped um, with my bosses because at the time you have to remember there was no Spike Lee 2K thing, uh, there was no Journey, um, so having such a departure like Longshot was really challenging. But those are the early nuggets that started to get some momentum and the clarity of the type of story I wanted to tell. And so, Todd, when when did the when did your role in the genesis of Longshot happen and and is there a longer backstory to sort of you guys have always kind of talked about this, uh, this, this single player, Texas football, uh, you know, challenging, you know, upbringing kind of a thing, or like, is this more, much more recent than that? Like when, when did you sort of, when, when did the long shottiness specificity of this happen? And, and when, when did you start to, to get really into that specific area? Yeah, to, to wind it way back, uh, Mike and I, I remember a drive we were taking between St. Louis and Chicago when we were going to school, and we just started talking about this Elvis Elvis game that we wanted to make, um, and my novel that's coming out in the spring actually has the full pitch of this Elvis game. I changed it to be a movie, um, but the basis was that uh, Elvis's Graceland is kidnapped by aliens, and you have to play this guy who stops it from happening, but he's a Pat Boone man. He doesn't care about Elvis. Reluctant, <laughs> reluctant hero and drifter. And uh, it's basically like the aliens are all like teardrop-shaped, you know, green, traditional aliens, but they're all dressed up in the different Elvises. And Mike and I had talked about this. I don't know. I, I had it written on a folder, and I just thought it was so funny. And I was like, at that time of my life when I was writing this book, I started at 12, 13 years ago. I basically was writing a lot of short stories, and I was like, how do I write a novel? And I, it was like a deck of cards. I took like 10 ideas and just shuffled them into one another. And that's, I ended up putting that in there because I was like, oh, this is funny, and we're never going to write this, so why don't I put it in there? And so that was the first thing. Then another drive we were taking, we made up a, a game. Uh, feel free to hire us to make this game, anyone listening. But it was Jason Kendall's Wiffle Ball. So that tells you how far back that was because Jason Kendall was a Pirates catcher back then. But the idea of that was that we would you would take a road trip in a crappy van and you would go like city to city because I don't know why planes didn't work then. It's depressingly. <laughs> I, I'm not. This is a weird thing. But it was pre 9-11. But we we were like you don't have any planes working. So you have to drive and then you stop in different cities instead of uh, like Jason Kindle's playing wiffle ball with you. But you say you play in San Francisco and if a guy hits a home run, it'll go out into the water. So there's a guy who shows up who's like, oh, I'm all about the environment. I'm not going to let any seals eat those wiffle balls. So I'm going to play all time outfield, you know, just like super weird. So there you couldn't hit a home run. Just, just the weirdest idea, but we sort of developing these ideas about like each city had these characters or whatever. And that and actually got me my first job in the industry is I actually was developing that with Todd and um, a programmer that I'd met in line for the first star Wars the phantom menace oh man uh, so this is way back 
but yeah. it was uh, on the color Game Boy Advance. It was a wiffle ball RPG. Uh, it was pretty weird. Uh, yeah. Wow. It was <laughs> so like when Jason Kendall mangled his leg on uh, first base on July 4th. Um, yeah, that really un- undid us. Otherwise, I could have been hit. Big, uh, that was our big like licensing guy that... After that, I mean, we didn't have a game, you know? Yeah, yeah. You can't go... <laughs> where do you go but down after Jason Kendall? Uh, so then, like... And then Mike and I, we, we had lived in Chicago together, and he sort of went his own way to go to San Diego and Vancouver, and then I went my own way living in, like, 300 different cities around the world. And so there was this sort of separation of our friendship. And so I would say those three things... And then when I moved to L.A., I started working on film stuff, and I was just like... I was like, man, you know, I'm, I was adapting a book that I'd written, wasn't getting published and all this. Anyway, so I had started talking to Mike about that, and he's like, oh, I took this this class about the guy who wrote the story thing. So Mike is an amazing structure guy, and I'm really good at, like, interpersonal interaction. So when I sent him a script of mine, he, like, read it, gave me amazing feedback, so I started reworking it based on that. And then I think that sort of, like, put in his mind, like, oh, he can do script writing good good news and then and then he ended up calling me one day he's like i think we we're gonna be able to do this if interested and then i don't remember how that happened exactly my girlfriend gets mad at me because i can't remember the detail to anything but uh that happened and then mike uh was like all right i think this is gonna happen do you mind moving to orlando for six months to do this and i was like yes which i think surprised you right mike i mean i was in la having a pretty goofball life yeah Basically, you're never in one place for more than a week, it seems like, and you're always in the coolest places in the world. So the thought of trapping you in Orlando, I was shocked that you were going to come do it. But I knew we had to write it together and beat it in the same room and not, you know, exchanging stuff over Skype or something. Um, It was really important for the camaraderie. And um, so we basically hold up in a little uh, cafe in Orlando, Winter Park area. For about six months and every day eating the same mediocre food and <laughs> slightly above average teas and are just I, what was great is we had this shared sense of humor but totally different lives we'd kind of gone off and i'd become like corporate guy that had a family and he is like world traveler you know poet you know actor like doing all these cool things but i think a lot of that went into the devon and colt characters um you know, we were very similar. We were brothers. I, Todd literally lived in my house our high school year and dormed together in college and, you know, had all these life experiences. And then, like he said, we went off on our own kind of life path and then we're now back together. And it was very similar to Devin and Colt when Devin left um, for the Army and now they're back together chasing this life goal together. Uh, I think there's so many pa- cool parallels and our shared sense of humor from life really, I think, helped too. Yeah, I, I mean, my greatest memory of writing Longshot is probably the first week we were together when we were just storyboarding. Because Mike had sort of thought a lot about it on his own, but when we finally just sat down and we're like, all right, what is this going to be? We, you know, we drew a huge, we had a big whiteboard and we were just throwing ideas up there. I'm just trying to fi- you know, figure out first act, second act, third act stuff. But we were saying some of the craziest that was just so funny to us and we we're just laughing hysterically um and it was like oh wow this is amazing like we haven't really hung out in this way in years but it's just like 
it was just such an intimate experience and it and i think and i think mike talked about this throughout the time to me and you know he didn't know if i was going to be some like oh why am i not in la or london or whatever i don't know but like i it was just so engaging and fun and that that intimacy i think definitely filled in or filtered itself into the script and uh yeah it's pretty cool Hey everybody, Rich Grisham here. We're going to take just a moment to thank our sponsors for this week, HelloFresh. These guys do a fantastic job, and I am now a customer, and you can help the Pressure podcast and have some great meals, and we'll tell you how to do that at the end of this. So real quick, let me tell you what HelloFresh is. They are on a mission to save home cooking because it's just too good to go away. They want to make cooking more fun, so they focus on the whole experience, not just the final plate. So they think of themselves as three different kind of companies all at one. Number one, a farm-to-box company, because they want everyone to have access to fresh ingredients that inspire great meals. But they're also a couch-to-kitchen company, because they think the best way to kick those 5 p.m. excuses is by feeling unstoppable in the kitchen. And third, they are a fork-to-feel-good company, because when you cook and eat delicious and healthy meals, you're going to want to keep doing it again and again. And I can vouch for this because HelloFresh sent us a big old box with several meals and it came in an insulated box and it had the uh, the, the, the frozen uh, ice packs in there, which kept everything nice and fresh. And those, by the way, are reusable. So we tossed them into the freezer and we actually wound up using them when we went to the beach uh, a few days later. They offer different things, a classic box, a veggie box, and a family box. You can order three, four, or five different meals per week designed for either two or four people. New recipes are created every week. In six easy-to-master steps, they get you chopping, zesting, and cooking like a natural because most of the recipes take just 30 minutes and require minimal equipment, and this is totally legit. As I mentioned, my wife and my son, uh, my son, he's nine. He he was uh, working with her, and they got all the stuff out, and they chopped, and they zested, and they cooked, and they, they did everything that they had to do. And it's a really, really great meal at the end, and I am now officially a HelloFresh customer. So the way that you can help us out is simple. All you got to do, you got to go to HelloFresh.com and enter the code PRESSROW30 when you subscribe. When you do that, you get $30 off your first week of deliveries. That is a great savings. So HelloFresh.com, enter PRESSROW30 when you subscribe. This is a really good service. It really makes life easier and better. You know, if you want to have a good meal, but you want to prepare it and you want to sort of get everybody in the kitchen, this is a fantastic way to do it. And it's cost effective, too. For less than $10 a meal, you're going to have much better dinner than if you were, you know, to do that guilty pleasure, drive it over to that fast food place or order that same pizza that you've had four times in the last eight days. Check out HelloFresh.com and in the promo code PRESSROW30, get $30 off your first week of deliveries. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, HelloFresh. Thank you for listening to the Press Row Podcast, and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so I'd like to go into some of the choices that were made with the mode. Let's start with you, Adrian. I'd, I'd like to know the thinking that went into how it was kind of envisioned and built, because Longshot is more of an interactive movie, in a sense, rather than what you've seen in some other story modes, which they're a little more involved. They might have personalization of a character. You might choose a position, improve attributes, or especially they have you playing full games. What made you go with this kind of telltale style where instead you've got interactive segments, but also choices around them that influence how the character is perceived? Yeah, I mean, Mike can probably speak to this a little bit better, but I'll, I'll say it was addressed to me, Mike, so just back off. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus, I can't get a, get a word in. Um, I think for us, the, the first thing we tried to do was we were like, how do we tell a story 
that is not the traditional sports story, sports video game story. Because to me, there are two sports video game stories that preceded this. One was you take a guy and you win the championship. And that guy could be, well, whatever. That's that's one story. And the second story is take a first-round draft pick who's like the huge stud, you know, get him drafted. He's the best player. Now he's going to win the championship. So there's that seems to me like the two most prominent versions of what happens in, in video game sports. And so what we did, we were like, well, what's, what's interesting to us and and mike had this idea long shot and then we you know the tv show i think you might have had the tv show idea in advance but but just like how do we how do we tell a story that is unlike that 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 sort of speaks to the the things we love in sports like the rudies and the friday night lights and like what what does that look like and and that sort of led us down a path of creating a movie and then there's a certain point when we're like oh we also have to make a game so how do we make the choices? What are the choices? What are what's going to make an impact? How do we panic the characters that they have to say thing A or thing B? How do we, um, you know, have them make a decision and then it says, oh, that's not the right one, <laughs> or like you know, to to feel that because I think um, and Mike can speak to this too, but we played Walking Dead on Telltale and there's what makes that game great, I think, especially versus say Batman by Telltale. In Walking Dead, like you come to places often in the early versions of the game where there's no right answer and you feel crummy no matter what you do. So that was interesting is a, is a filter for us too, that, that in life there's two crappy choices sometimes. And what are you going to do? You don't, you know, and it's thrown at you and you're like, Ew. I don't know if I answered any part of your question, but I did speak for a while. Mike Young, your, your turn. Uh, the format was the first thing that was important to me and I wanted it to f- number one, just be emotional. And I, I felt like, all the previous sports stories were really just about expressing personality and I guess lifestyle. So to me, I'm not very interested in, I don't think it's very relatable to be a superstar that's at the top of the world. And your only real challenges are, you know, which shoe deal you're going to sign and which agent you're going to get. And, um, it doesn't, it was off putting to me. Um, and uh, so I took the approach of write a great movie or try to write a great movie and then along the way make it playable. So uh, we did start with like a traditional movie style script and along the way would notate um, how to make these choices memorable, important, um, not just about expressing Devin's personality, but they had to feel right. Either any choice we had had to feel within the motivation of Devin not just to say like a jerky response or a cool response, but they're the same response. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of games do that. Like you're saying the same thing, but just with two tones, but often one of them's coming way out of left field and you get this lumpy experience of like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if you set up the story, right. And I thought walking dead season two did this really well is kind of your bigger choices felt like, um, Clem, they made sense based on the story and her what you've experienced. Either choice made sense for her, but they were both difficult. Um, so that was our aspiration. But yeah, along the way, we got a lot of worry internally about the you know the limited number of just traditional Madden, uh, some of the 
you know, more casual kind of mini game type stuff along the way. But I always felt when I played these games that were repetitive, like story scene, and people would come up with these rules too, like you can never have more than a 60 second scene. And then you play a game and then you have a practice and then you have another 60 second scene. Uh, I find that people don't finish those games. They get bored. It's repetitive. Uh, maybe like they change the rule sets, but essentially you'd have this wash and repeat uh, experience. So I wanted it to feel like more like a, a naughty dog game where I feel like they'll invent a mechanic for one scene, but it, keeps it fresh it keeps it exciting like there's something different around the corner um so that was our goal was to make people go through long shot being hooked on the story um and get rid of all these conventional rules there's all these other crazy rules you can only have 90 minutes of cinematics um we just made our thing that's what we tried to do let's make our thing Mm. So something I liked a lot in how Longshot was written was, as Mike said, uh, it was relatable. But I thought so uh, it was the case for people who are fans of the sport, especially because within the storyline, you had talk and integration of things like going to to how the Panthers simplified the playbook for Cam Newton his rookie year or how Tim Tebow and the attention he would bring as a backup uh, is compared to why teams may not want Devin, who's coming off this reality show. And the reality show culture, which is at the center of this story, and also how it's realistically portrayed the way social media is utilized these days, I thought that was really well done. So, Adrian, how did you approach take uh, trying to make the story credible to football fans, but also still accessible to maybe those who don't know as much about the sport? Because I know this mode is is kind of a way to... Uh, bring people in to Madden who maybe haven't played in the past. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first off, I just want to say that there's, by making this game, there's probably like a 60 to 70% chance that Devin Wade becomes president of the United States. Like, we're on, like, that should be a credible thing that can happen, um, which is interesting, because it's now that he's been in a reality TV show and, and just what we've seen happening. Um, I do feel like it digitized. Exactly. I, I, I saw those parallels too, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's it, kind of crazy. This is exactly what would happen. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly it. Um, I think, I think the credibility, it was so cool, like building this story. Cause every once in a while, Mike would be like, Oh, you know what? Tidbit here. Like, Oh, I once heard this. Cause Mike's been working on Madden for so long. He'll just, he just would throw out these things. They were so cool. And like these little nuggets, that was really awesome, to, just to try to insert those um, throughout the script. But and, and Pat Kerwin, who's on the show in the in the game, it like that dude just knows stuff that is just a gold mine. Um, but I think a uh, year was actually spending. I spent a whole year with Pat Kerwin going to training camps and hearing, you know, he connect me with the Dan Marinos and the Bill Cowers. So hmm. all of the like interactions that are real football have credibility because you know we talk about maybe what needed to happen from the story perspective with them but then he'd share five or ten stories that happen in real life and those just become part of your kind of research um you can just pull from those things at any at any point um but i do love that we try to take a a, make a statement about media and reality tv shows um and devin had a perspective on it too that we thought was interesting because 
when I talk to the, a lot of kids nowadays, they just want to be famous. They want to have a YouTube channel. Like how, how is it possible that this guy didn't want to just jump at this TV show and what happened there? And I think some of that stuff made it an interesting to have some layers there that weren't just, Oh yeah, of course you'd want to go on the show and be famous. Yeah. And, and I just think one of the key things that, that Mike's speaking to is this idea that, um, there's a real dehumanization that happens with athletes and this idea that as a high school kid, the pressure on you is, you know, just incredible. And all you're doing is playing a high school football game. So like that's an out of whack thing. And then, you know, in college, like people's lives rely on you being a good quarterback, like their joy and their experience of being at a university is like dependent on you who shouldn't have any humanity you should just be a robot who succeeds. And I think that was really cool for us to be like, uh, the media has just torn Devin apart. And he's just like, hey, <laughs> like my dad, my dad died and I'm struggling, you know. And instead of I, I just thought that was a real humane thing. And then to see the people responding just like, well, he sucks. He's ruining he's ruining my football season. It's like, well, first of all, you don't play on the team. You're in like the sixth. <laughs> thousand throw and uh really really sad for you that that's happening um but yeah i thought that was that was a really interesting thing to to explore and that speaks to what mike was saying about making it an emotional story and Mm. and uh yeah so mike uh as far as the design of the interactive segment so i love the seven on seven uh the high school games were great i especially thought the commentary was was awesome in those but uh I was really impressed by things like the, the, the play-calling minigame because it's something that on paper probably could have easily been nixed as, you know, this isn't going to be fun for people. But within the context of the story, it was important, right? Being difficult to recall what was sent in was kind of the point. You're feeling overwhelmed just like Devin was in those moments. Yeah, that's what we uh, – speaks to the variety, but it also speaks to, well – what's the real learning to be a QB experience like? And you see stuff like that on like the Gruden camp TV show, but um, we wanted to turn it into a mechanic, but pressure was what it was all about. Like Mm -hmm. how does somewhat, we wanted to kind of show what that experience could be like um, and make you feel kind of lost. Um, And so I don't know if everyone loved that mechanic, but for (laughs) what's cool, what was really fun slash difficult about this mode is that internally the thought was like oh the hardcore will hate it but we had to try to balance not intimidating people who just kind of wanted to come in they love the nfl but they don't really know it that well they usually don't play madden with the people who are hardcore and they would like gravitate more towards those moments on the field moments uh the they had more emotion about something like Colts plan, the Cam Newton plan, than they had about maybe one of the more dramatic off the field moments. So it was really fun to try to balance that. Um, so most people enjoyed it, but yeah, I've had people completely hate the play call mini <laughs> game, uh, but oh, some yeah. people one of their favorite parts because they got into the mindset of this is hard, this is what it would be like. I feel so lost. Um, and that's what we're going for is to try to make you experience how difficult it is to go from a very talented quarterback to an NFL quarterback. Mm. One of the things 
I'm a huge music fan. And one of the things that I particularly enjoy about Longshot is the integration of music. There is a lot of original music, but there is also some real world music. You know, there, there are moments when I, I heard a strain of a, of a song by Band of Horses that that really was just like, whoa, that's great. And there was and I think it was Willie Nelson near the end. I'm not 100 percent sure. And there, there's a few other. Correct. Oh, good, good. And there's a few other moments, a few other uh, musical interludes that were particularly powerful to me. What, how important was music to you? Was that was that you, Mike, or was that you, Adrian, or or was that someone else? I know there was someone who wrote the original score, but wh- when and where did did music and music selection and and the selection of the music to match what's happening? What what was that process like, and where did that come into play? One of the neat things for me is um, the level of autonomy I had as a director, um, maybe because it was so big and people didn't know exactly what we were building. Um, it's very hard to kind of see it, you know, at the early days. But uh, the music I thought was so important. Um, it's such a huge part of delivering on emotion. And there was concern like, wow, there's a lot of honky tonk music in this thing that's not the traditional Madden like soundtrack, but what was great is it fit the story mood and tone of Mathis small town. Um, the Willie Nelson song you mentioned, it's Willie Nelson and his son Lucas. And it's a Pearl, it's a Eddie Vedder cover. Uh, but it, it's a beautiful song that really underscores the emotion of that scene where Devin is no longer kind of embarrassed. Um, you know, his dad had such high hopes for him, and now he's back on track. And I, I couldn't imagine a better song for that. And the Band of Horses song, I thought, I mean, looked for weeks, really, for the right song. And I'd go down these, like, long, I guess, uh, you know, playlist, and this song would inspire this song. And you're just searching, searching, searching till you hear it. But uh, early on, you know, we storyboarded out. We had animatics. And music was part of those um, from day one. So, you know, these songs we've lived with for years, um, waiting for them to come out. I'd say the most interesting music thing that came about was how the Longshot song itself came about, which is um, I met hockey legend Theo Fleury uh, several years ago, probably five years ago now. And he had... um, He's now like a country music singer in Canada. And I heard some of his songs and I thought it was pretty good. And I was telling telling him about Longshot and what I was doing. And I, I was like, if you want to try to write a song, send it my way. It'd be pretty cool. And he's like, absolutely. And a few months go by and I get an email and he's got an MP3 in there. And I just thought it was so catchy. And um, that was in the first year of development. And we weren't greenlit. Um but we had a song, you know, I had an outline for the story and we had a song. And then uh, when Todd and I got together, uh, we wrote the scene where Colt invents the song with Devin. And I think it's a really powerful scene. And it's one of the scenes that got people excited about Longshot, but also had them internally freaking out like, um, this is <laughs> what I expected. Uh, I'm so <laughs> right now, but I'm also scared to death. The Longshot song existed so early in the process, and it's so catchy, and it, I think it's quite an emotional song. And um, 
I think there were a lot of times when I would listen to that song and that would motivate me to to figure out a way to be more like to really go deep emotionally in the in the script and and within the characters. It, I don't know. It's, it, I mean, we always want to do it, but it was like this other thing, this other trigger that was giving us permission. And the fact that it was Theo Fleury, uh, Mike and I played, you know, Mike played with the Flames when we were kids in our NHL leagues, and I was just. I mean, he's all. We've just loved that guy forever. So it was just such a such a weird twist. And then when I was back at EA, um, I guess last year, I went into the office and um, Theo was there. And Mike's like a little surprised. And I was like, I was just like, holy crap! This is like one of my favorite hockey players, and he's such an amazing force of nature. And for him to have written this song, I don't know. It was it was such a cool moment. And I just and also just the story that like a guy who should be in the NHL Hall of Fame just uh, reeled off this song. I, I just think it's awesome. I mean, I saw the credit of Theron Fleury. I'm like, not that Theo Fleury, but wow, yeah. it is. And and by the way, and, and this is this is me being hyper OCD right now. So when I hear long shot, the, the chord progression of the chorus goes G, F sharp, E minor. But the, the little high note that he hits is actually a C. And so in my mind, now, when I'm playing uh, long shot, I go G, F minor, C, E minor instead of yeah. the G, F minor, E, C. So really, that's the way that the song should be, even though it's a great song and I had nothing to do with it. In my if mind, he hears you say thing. that, he'll beat the shit out of you. I don't know if you know that he's, uh, he's got a he's, tough guy. You know? He is probably the toughest little man ever to play in the NHL. So I mean, I'll make sure I'm never in the same room as him. No, no, he's he's quite great. I doubt he'll he'll probably be like, all right, you want to do it that way, and then he'll threaten <laughs> you, but he won't hit you. That seems to be. I've read his book, so I feel like that's maybe more likely. So the the NFL obviously is the the shield is on the cover of Madden, and Longshot is a pretty in depth story that touches on a whole lot of different themes. Uh, no one protects their brand more than the NFL, and let's face it, the NFL has a lot of different issues surrounding it, and always has, and probably always will. How much concern was there? Was was there a time where you sort of said, well, you know, we could do this, but we know that won't sort of you know, we're in a partnership with the league and we have to, to balance that. Did that come into play a lot, a little bit, or did it did it just not really ever ever become an issue? And I'll start with you, Mike. Um, I don't think it became an issue. Um, the type of story I like to tell is really more about hope and inspiration than um, maybe some of the, like, a TV show like Ballers is kind of going after, which to me is more, again, like the uh entourage style like wow this cool insider look at the lifestyle um but that's never really been inspiring to me so i think my years with working with the nbas and the nfls like i was kind of in the pocket which of what i thought was you know uh, a great disney style level of kind of a serious subject matter um but I will tell you, once the script was done, I was just so nervous that, like, someone was going to say we couldn't do something that was, like, so important. Like, oh, you guys can't show a car crash at all. That ruins the whole story. And so mm. Todd and I probably had a lot of panic attacks about just having the materials reviewed. Um, but nothing ever really hurt. Uh, I would just say there was really good feedback. And the nervousness was, I guess... A waste of effort <laughs> but uh, 
I did assume that like we were going to lose something so important. Like um, it's not, it doesn't seem important when I say it out loud, but the roadside uh, urination scene, um, you felt like, well, maybe that won't get through. And it really shows off their friendship and personality. And it helps kind of balance Devin being kind of a downer at the beginning. And you start to like, tear yourself apart like what if that gets cut what are we going to do um probably none of those things individually would have crippled the story but um we had really good partners and their feedback was i think always on point and helped us make the story they were very excited about doing something like long shot i'll tell you that um so and we got a lot of great support i think it was uh i guess long shot got announced i believe on june 10th and on june 9th um, Roger Goodell said he called me and he was just like, I hope that someday on a podcast somebody says roadside urination <laughs> to uh, show what you guys have really achieved. And I think that's happened. I, Mike, is it true? And I, I probably shouldn't even be talking about this, but I, that's my way. Um, in Korea, it, did the peeing thing haven't, didn't that cause an issue with the ESRB or like, did he get tagged well, as a. I did learn a lot more about ESRB than. I ever wanted to and Peggy and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, you know, there's like all these barriers to like go from E to E10 and 10 plus and descriptors. So I learned a lot about things that potentially were in our script uh, that could have pushed us into one category or another. I think we might have ended up with something. Let me look. Yeah, we have comic mischief. So that was the urination uh, <laughs> scene. Yeah, got it there and uh, mild language, um, the dangs and the. Um, there's a, you know, there's no profanity, but there's stuff that's like, the things you use besides profanity that got us in that category. And uh, the mild violence came from the elbow, um, to cold face. So, there's just kind of things like that that you had to learn about, but. Um, I think people wanted to protect the story and were willing to kind of add those labels um, in order for us to like not water it down too much. Did I, I know I'm pushing on something I shouldn't be pushing on, but it's for the fun of the podcast. But did, is it a did it get a crime rating in Korea because of the urination scene? No, there was a not... talk that it was it is technically a crime there. Um, I don't know how we got it. I don't I don't know how that played out, but I was remember being told that that scene would have to go there, but I don't even think we're out there yet. I think I don't even know how that works, to be honest. I just think it'd be interesting for Madden to have a crime uh, <laughs> on it. And then you find you're like, whoa, what happens? Um, yeah. But I, I, just to speak <laughs> to what you were talking about, this idea, I think I think there's this idea that people have where they're like, oh, I hope. You know, I hope somebody makes a, a sports movie video game thing where, like, I'm doing drugs or I'm, like, shooting people. I don't know what they think. But I think there's this idea of, like, what's the dark underside of the world? And I think for me and Mike, we're like, eh, how interesting is that? You know, like, I mean, I love Requiem for a Dream. Never want to watch it again. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think this I, – I wouldn't quite say Disney, but – I because I, I just don't watch Disney films, but I, I think there's just something more interesting and to do something for a broad audience. I think I have a very indie sensibility and and Mike um, like pulls me up on that and I pull him down. And I think meeting somewhere in the middle was a, was a really sweet spot for us. Yeah, so you guys had a, a great cast of actors. So I'm wondering uh, who was your favorite character on the page 
And was that also who ended up being your favorite performance or was that someone different in the end? Uh, Adrian, how about you start? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, for me, first of all, Ross Fountain is the first one I want to say because Mike and I, I mean, the stuff we cut is just, so. Yeah, well, I mean. I, we need outtakes and, and all I, that. We really do need outtakes. But it, Ross was like one of the most fun dudes. We were seriously just laughing out loud. I mean, just passing the laptop back and forth and just cracking each other up. And uh, and he's amazing. So he's sort of an easy one to go to. But um, I think Jack Ford, like where we came with him, because initially we had talked about him being a real coach. And then there came to this this sort of point where we're like, well, we can do so much more with him if he's not real. And yet everybody that uh, played it in the room that we were in when, when my girlfriend was playing it, they're like, who is that dude? I've never heard of him. And, you know, but what's his story? And we're like, oh, we made him up. And everybody's like, whoa, what? And so this idea of making making someone real and giving them this story of like how they have their own demons and they have their own motivation for doing things. Uh, I just I, I love Jack Ford and I, I hope he makes the NFL uh, as Devin becomes president. But um, but yeah, obviously, Devin and and, uh, and Colt, I, I those guys are awesome. But in secondary characters, I will say that. It was interesting to write Devin because, you know, we decided to do a fictional character as the lead. It wasn't you playing yourself, you know, and that mm-hmm. that offered a lot of challenges. But this idea of having somebody that's a little bit quieter, um, kind of mopey in a sense. I don't, I don't want to call him mopey, but he's he's gone through some stuff. And that was an interesting challenge because, you know, we wrote drafts. We we're just like, he's kind of a huge bummer. We can't we can't have him be no personality and that actually triggered sort of the the rewrite of that was when he's in the car and he sings along at the very beginning with colt and it was like yeah let's i mean he's a he's a human you know he's a fun dude he's not sitting there all the time being like my dad died two years ago so um that was interesting right and and colt is a hoot and uh but yeah i I would say it's a tie between jack ford and ross for me because for totally different reasons it's tough um now hard for me to separate you know, from directing them and like the experience. I mean, I went through the most with Devin and Colt. Um, and Scott Porter was the first person, like, I guess, verbally signed. Probably. Did you, did you write, probably, sorry, did you write his part with him in mind or did you cast it after? I wrote the part with him in mind. Um, he was the first person that was like, signed up for it and wrote specifically to his skill set so knowing he could sing knowing he could be funny knowing he could land emotion we needed him to balance Devin and but we didn't want him to just be this cartoon clown either so I think I was really happy with how he turned out and I think he's this great insecure character who also is very supportive so I really love that there's this um He's got many dimensions, I think, and then his personality, I think, really helps carry the story and the energy, and um, it never gets too dark because Colt is the light, and he's like the childlike character that we want Devin to become again, not like the maturity level, but just like believing, his all-out belief that he could achieve his dreams. Um, It feels like how you feel as a kid, and uh, we have Devin, who's sort of um running away and doesn't want to risk 
further pain um, by going after his dream. So I love their balance. Uh, Jack Ford turned in such an amazing performance. And I'd say he's the, when Todd got there, that's the character that we both, I'd say, formed together. Whereas I think the Colt Devin thing in the TV show, a lot of that stuff was there, but making the dimensionality of Julia, Ross, and Jack, and having all of their, have they all have subplots, and they all are creating, you know, Ross drives a lot of conflict for Julia, Jack, and um, Devin. But uh, Julia is an unbelievably understated character. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've fallen in love with all the performances, I'll be honest with you just because it's so intimate like to be on set with them and form the characters even deeper than the script with them and them bringing themselves to it. But Julia is very, um, I think, understated. Uh, she doesn't have tons of lines. Um, even her like kind of story of being under this bully and then kind of overcoming and starting to write her own destiny, I think that's a neat little story. Um there's a lot of great performers. Ruth Ann, Colt's mom, she's in a couple scenes, but I think she's fantastic. And that was okay. the hardest character to get right. Yeah. Uh, and I really struggle with that because I think what we were, we were writing at first is an ode to his mom. Like our imagination of how wonderful she was. And I think it struggled because she she wasn't a real character and she didn't have like a real um opinion on the theme of the story she was just kind of there and uh that was the most challenging to get right because uh, it's such a short role but i think having her be this skeptic who's trying to protect colton devon from uh, being hurt by going after their dreams is uh pretty powerful and really good yeah I, can i i this is a i just want to tell you guys a funny story that has that you're not going to hear otherwise but when Mike and I were writing the script, there was um, like we, we had this habit of like one of us to be like, OK, you write the scene. I'm going to go get a donut, go to the bathroom, whatever. And we'd yeah. come back and we would always finish the scene with like something funny. You know, it would just be like a ridiculous thing, like Colt punches through a wall. You know, like Devin walks out, Colt punches through a wall and vomits into it. Just like you just totally batshit stuff. And then there was this one time where Mike, we had cleaned up the script and Mike had sent it to somebody to read. And uh, the guy came back and and he said, did you put this one thing in there because you wanted to see if people were really reading it? In Hollywood, you'll, people will do this. They'll send a script. They'll have a totally crazy detail in there just to see if people have actually read the script. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there was this one point where the guy was like, did you put this? And the detail was that like Devin and Colt had walked out of the room. They're angry. And then Ruth Ann reached into the garbage and ate a donut out of the trash. <laughs> and we had... We had forgotten to take that out. <laughs> and I just love that there's this person taking a serious read of the script being like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, you should change this a little bit, whatever. And then like, uh, Ruth Nanny eats a donut out of the garbage. I don't know. <laughs> I just love that stuff. That's the kind of, only on Press Row Podcast, people. That's right. <laughs> so uh, a couple of quick things. Number one, I was really surprised that when I went to go pick my favorite team, I wasn't able to pick the Houston Oilers because that that's what my dad that was his favorite team. Was that a, just because they're not an active team? Was that an omission, or is that nothing anybody has mentioned to you till now? Uh, no one's mentioned that to now. 
what surprised me when people started to play it was a lot of people have chosen a team that isn't their favorite in real life because they didn't think it fit the story. So that was really neat for me to think of them. And I've had them debate like, well, Colt in the first scene was saying that they're the Cowboys, but then the dad loved the Houston Oilers, so he probably would have loved the Texans. So I went with, you know, the Cowboys. Um, but, you know, it is a – you wanted a clever way to, like, put your favorite team into the story, a current favorite team. Right. Um, Got it. So another thing that, that, that definitely – made me enjoy the story more just knowing you two uh adrian and mike and how how you sort of you know how long you've known each other and what makes you laugh is the high school football announcers so (laughs) it sounds to me like the high school football announcers almost was a competition between you two to 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 say okay well if he says this wait till he says that like what is that kind of what happened what what's the story with coming up with the commentary for those guys because they are an interesting couple of dudes well, actually, it's you, you probably talked to Josh Lumen before. Um, so Josh yes. Lumen was a lead designer on CFM many years. He did head coach. Um, he was the lead designer on Longshot. And um, I would say he led the um, commentary on that. Um, we had those characters and they had some of the scripted lines from the story, but when we got in there, we decided we needed to have that level of polish and we felt like we could have more exposition in the story that just we could never possibly tell in the you know movie version of it. And um, he really blew that out. We explored a lot of local, he lives down there, but we started watching a lot of broadcast online and we would go back and forth and talk about what stories we wanted to tell. And um, But yeah, the two actors did a lot of improv too and they were really a great team and they came into the booth together and the audio team here it was a pretty late addition to go that deep on it and they were so excited and to add like a second commentary team and we're adding all these extra hooks and i think they did a really great job with it and one thing that was crazy early is people were like i don't know if it fits the mood and tone and it's why is it so funny and it's like it just felt like it needed to be charming and local and authentic. And I think it adds a lot. Yeah. I, the only thing I, I remember writing one thing, which was the, uh, the catchphrase, but I don't know if it made it in Mike and I was going to ask you, but there was this one, cause we wrote a very little bit of this and there was one thing where I had the guy call out a big call and then he said, insert catchphrase here. Which I thought was <laughs> One of the greatest catchphrases ever. Did that actually make it in Mike or did that not make it in? That didn't make it in. Um, on Wait. set, the actor Tom Nowicki um, came up with holy cheese fries, which <laughs> didn't make it in. Um, but those guys had a blast, and they were really fun. And um, the one guy is like a real, it's like a professional voice actor and a real New York New York sounding kind of guy. So really having to work on his Texas accent, but not overdo it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really fun. So, Mike, what are the analytics telling you, right? You have tools available to you now that were probably unheard of five years ago, much less 10 years ago. So you you probably have more insight into what people are experiencing other than anecdotal evidence. Is there any revelations or any validations? What's the data telling you about how people are interacting with long shots? 
Well, it is cool that we have all this ability to look at like every single choice in the mode and how many people are getting which ending and uh, making sure that our tuning is what we expected and how many people fired Ross and all that kind of stuff. Um, does it validate anything? I think there's we can see how many people are finishing it, and that was a big goal. Um, I'm not going to give you the numbers, but they were very high. And so the length and more of a campaign mode style and making it emotionally engaging, I wanted people to finish them up. That was the key. Like, I don't think there's a lot of value in having a story mode that everyone's out of in the first, I don't know, four hours, but then there's 16 more hours left, so they never get to the end. And I feel like a lot of the sports games were giving these, like, kind of incomplete experiences um, and we've have, I think, 5% of the people have already started to replay again. I'm one of them. Because I, I want, I got the worst ending. Like, I, 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 I'm terrible at the, at the game. Like, I was just awful. I just constantly <laughs> failed. And I got an ending that, spoiler, right? It's, it's, it's the ending, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. It's the ending where Colt gets drafted and I don't. And I go out and I pout on the, on the porch. So I'm playing it again because I, I don't, I, I want to get drafted. Yeah. I, what's cool about the difference between like maybe a telltale gamer, because I've actually been shocked that people are replaying it um, just because I just didn't think people do that. Um, but I, it's this weird uh, hybrid of competition that's going on, too. I've had people chasing the mutt cards. I've had people chasing the scouting report score for Devin. And then I've had people that just wanted a different ending. So it's it is interesting the amount of people that within the first week of the game have actually played it which is a very high number that we're really excited about um and then the amount of people have said i want to do it again i've, I've never believed that would happen at that scale so it's really I, cool i just found out uh one of my close friends that plays in our madden league um he didn't do as well as my girlfriend did which i think is great i mean I, I just remember the ending of the game. I won't be specific about what happens for spoiler purposes, but I mean, it was a very tense moment. And for me, like, you know, finally playing this after working on it for so long and, and knowing how much Mike had had to do to like bring it from just from our script to the, to the ending, like everybody was like holding on to like, you know, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And I thought that was amazing. And when it did happen, she, she went nuts and, now she's, you know, telling my friend she's going to send him some tips. <laughs> He's played Madden for like 15 years. She's played uh, this one time. So it's pretty hilarious. She's like, does he know if you hold down the button, it's a bullet pass? <laughs> a jerk. I know. It's the best. She's never a jerk, so it's kind of fun. <laughs> That's cool. So I know you can't go into plans for next year or beyond, but in a perfect world, would you want to continue the story of characters, or would you want to start anew? And uh, I'll give you my my suggestion for what I'd want. Okay. I loved, I loved the story of Jack Ford. I, I said it's my favorite performance by Russ Blackwell, and I'd like to see a prequel maybe with Jack Ford, where your the story mode is actually as a coach. But I don't know how feasible something like that would be. But anyways, I was just curious, uh, you know. Would you want to start a brand new story again and go through that whole process, or do you like the idea of continuing on with these characters that you've built? Well, I think there's a lot of work that went into this world, and I think 
consistently what resonates is the characters themselves. And I think Jack is definitely one of the strongest characters, but people love Devin and Colt. So I think those three people are saying they want to see more of. And I, Todd and I did spend some time together during, you know, the season one developing what that story would be in our dream scenario. We obviously don't know if we'll get a chance to make that, but I think we felt really good about that. There is still more story to tell here. Um, and I think we sort of needed an audience to care about it. So that was the part that was kind of up in the mm -hmm. air, but um, I, I do think, you know, it's very difficult to build a world that people care about. And the fact that people are emotional about Devin and Colt and, uh, I feel like it's unanimous that people really love Jack Ford. And I think they saw a dimension of a coach that they felt was very authentic and believable. They saw deeper into that world than they they're used to seeing. Um, so I think, um, I would love to continue any of their stories to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, Mike and I talked about, you look at things that we love. I mean, I see the possibility of this as being pretty endless and like Netflixy. but there's also, you know, I love Fargo and the fact that they do something totally different, but mm, yeah. there is some crossover. And I don't know, I, I hope we get the chance because I, um, I think we've learned a lot and uh, I don't know, I think we could do some pretty cool stuff. And, and the big thing for us will, you know, be to surprise people to do something that, you're kind of like, oh my god, and it's it is pretty incredible to think about the sequels that I've seen that I love throughout the years of different things, be it video games or um, films or TV shows and things like that. And I just think we've we've just you know we're we're big consumers of all kinds of things, and I think there's a there'd be a really cool opportunity to uh, to do it. So we'll see what happens. I guess basically everybody should go online all the time and say they have to have more long shot style stuff. That's my advice. EA's listening. Yep, Kickstarter campaign, whatever it takes. There we go. So Mike Young, Adrian Todd Zuniga, thank you guys both so much. There's 20 more questions I would love to ask, but obviously we, we, we have to be respectful of your time. I just want to say, you know, congratulations. I mean, I, I, I don't know all, everything about it, but I certainly have an appreciation for how much of an accomplishment this is. I mean, I, you, you had to overcome a lot of obstacles, uh, pitching it mechanically, you know, I mean, we didn't even talk about it, but the frostbite engine I'm sure came into play at some point in here. And, you know, Mike, I've heard you talk a little bit about how this wouldn't have even been possible with that. So, I mean, I, and then of course, again, with, with the league and telling a story and getting people bought in. So congratulations on that. You, you knew it would be controversial. You went ahead and did it. And you know it would be received many different ways by many different people. Some people love it. Some people are ambivalent. And some people don't like it. So just congratulations on that. Thank you guys for coming on and talking about it. And uh, let's let's have more conversations about this and other stuff in the future if you're cool with that. I'd love to. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks so much, Rich. Thanks, Brian. Yep, absolutely. It was fun. <laughs>